Legend has it, Papa stole Nanny from his best friend. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? My name is Mel, and welcome to Rejection is a Bitch podcast. If you're new to the channel, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, hit that notification bell as well so you can get all of my videos. Comment in the comment section what you think about this topic, and definitely share this with at least one person. There's a scripture in James chapter 3, actually James chapter 3 verse 1, that actually says that not many of us should be teachers because we are held to a higher standard. The moment you become a teacher or someone who gives advice or someone that gives of themselves to the public, you are held to a higher standard, held to a higher regard. It's not that people think that you should be perfect, but they do believe that you should be striving to do better. So it's not often that you find people that are willing to be transparent, that are willing to talk about things they are struggling with, and especially while they're still processing some things. But I believe I'm on the other side of it for the most part, and I want to start a conversation that hopefully can really spearhead in the comment section and maybe allow you guys to release some things as well. The whole purpose and the real reason that I started this channel starting my coaching practice is essentially to help people while I continue to grow within myself. There are going to be times where I may be at my strongest, may not be at my strongest. There are elements of me that are in an advanced position, but there are also elements that I am still evolving in. And one of those elements that I am continuing to grow in, and frankly, I believe we all may always be growing in, is the element of grief. There are moments in our life where things happen that don't go according to plan. You have loss, you have disappointments, you have moments where it's like, man, how could this happen? If I'm a good person, if I'm doing things the right way, how could bad things happen to me? And it's been back to back, honestly, for me for the last couple of months of things that are very disheartening, things that are very hurtful. And we're going to discuss that today. So over the last year or so, my wife and I have been striving and trying to have a baby. My wife having a condition that she knew of prior to us meeting she knew that she would need some help. So we have gone through the IVF process and we actually had two transfers that did not go through. And for those that aren't aware, the transfer is essentially placing the embryo inside. The first one was a while ago. The second one was earlier this year. Both devastating, but we didn't lose hope. We just said we're going to tr keep trying. But we both agreed that we would give ourselves a little bit of a break. However, you know, the natural process did not stop. <laughs> so we continue to do our do, of course. And nature took its course. And my wife actually became pregnant, naturally. It was very exciting, very exhilarating for me uh, and for her as well. A lot of tears, a lot of happiness told some of the immediate family things were looking upward. Well, we were set to go to our first appointment, and my wife was actually, a couple of days before, feeling a little bit like she didn't feel the symptoms anymore. She didn't seem to be pregnant anymore. And prior to her mentioning this, I hadn't even thought about it was a possibility that she may not be. I mean, of course, we're smooth sailing now. You know, the Lord are made away. We good. And we did some prayer by ourselves, also with friends and loved ones. And I felt confident going into the first visit, but my wife didn't feel as confident. So they did the initial ultrasound and our fear was confirmed. The baby did not make it. We were about nine weeks and it was very tough to deal with, you know, the emotions, as many tears as there were uh, for happiness, there was definitely as many tears for sadness. Everyone was nice, everyone was sweet, everyone was doing their best to be, you know, to console us. But it's one of those moments where you're like, man, no one truly understands the right thing to say besides us. No one truly understands exactly what we're going through besides us. During our marriage, if anyone's followed my journey so far, our journey so far, you know we've been through a couple things. But this is yet another thing that brought us even closer. You know, it allowed us to honestly, we finish each other's sentences at times. And we're really able to exemplify what togetherness and the bond and oneness was all about. 
more than doubt, this actually brought more hope. The doctor said, hey, I believe you guys can get pregnant. You may, you may need a little help from me with a little medication, but I believe you can get pregnant. So it was amazing to hear. But I bring that up, guys, because that pain, although we have hope going forward, was still so daunting. And as a man and as a husband, I chose to put my pain and my fears on hold in order to tend to my wife. Because what I felt just emotionally, she felt physically as well. So as the weeks have gone on, we've been able to really hone in on what God is telling us through this pain. We was able to hear from so many people that's actually struggling with their journey as well. Something going on with millennials. I'm, I'm, I don't know what it is. Something's truly going on with, with millennials when it comes to our inability to give birth. A lot of us are miseducated, undereducated. But something is truly going on with millennials as something worth looking into. It allowed us to truly identify and connect with so many people that share our story and let us know, look, we're not special. You know, hardship doesn't skip us just because we're good people, just because we're doing things according to the word of God, just because we're helping others does not mean you are exempt from pain. You are exempt from hurt. You are exempt from bad things happening to you. God reigns on the just and the unjust. But when you are the just, you are able to raise back up and have hope further. Because just because God didn't do it, it doesn't mean that he can't. And even if he doesn't, it still doesn't mean that he couldn't. So that's the hope we have when it comes to our pregnancy. But let me move a little bit further because that's not the only thing that's happened recently that's caused some grief. If you're a current subscriber, you'll remember a couple weeks ago, I showed a video of my grandfather and my grandmother. They had been married for 60 years and I've leaned on their advice in order to find my current wife, Vera. And I have truly modeled my marriage after some things that they have said and the patriarch and the matriarch of our family and uh, be an example that we all can lean upon. But unfortunately, my grandfather has passed after 80 years of life, uh, life well lived, and I know it's so cliche, so easy to say anyone in your family is a great person. Any man in your family is a great man. Everyone looks at their grandfather as a hero. But I completely say this with everything in me. My grandfather was one of the greatest men to ever live. He inspired so many. He was an entrepreneur. He was a man that chased after his dreams, would live for God. You see a lot of people in life, hey, they say good things, but they don't live it out. I've been around my grandfather for 36 years, and I, I never saw him do anything outside the will of God. Due to circumstances outside of my control, I wasn't able to grow up with him extensively. I mean, I spent time with him sparingly growing up, but I really was able to spend time with him over the last five years, and it was amazing. My name is Otis Jamel Holloway, and I go by Mel primarily. That's my middle name, because I am the fifth Otis in my family. It's amazing lineage. My grandfather was able to tell me about his life, his father, his grandfather. My father asked me to speak at my, my grandfather's funeral. Unbeknownst to them, I had already been working on the speech. And it may sound arrogant, <laughs> but I just wanted to be prepared just in case they asked me. And to be real, I had been thinking about what I would say at my grandfather's funeral for over a year now. Because I've, I've been talking to him in intimate conversations about what he want his legacy to be and how he wants the family to continue. He's essentially been eulogizing himself over the last three years every time we have an opportunity to uh, be around family. He makes sure he says what he wants to be remembered for and the most important things for him in life and the most important things for the family. So it was amazing to actually be a part of the funeral and to be able to share a bit of that. 
And I want to show that to you guys here very quickly, the speech I gave at my grandfather's funeral. By William Shakespeare, Juliet asked the question, what's in the name? This is so profound because it suggests that names themselves do not hold worth nor meaning. And they simply act as labels to distinguish one thing or one person from another. She stated this in reference to Romeo, essentially stated that even if he had a different name, he would still be the man she loves. I stand here before you proudly as Otis Holloway V. I come from a lineage of amazing men that all carry the name Otis Holloway in many ways differently and in many ways similarly. Over the past five years, I have the amazing opportunity to spend countless amount of hours with Papa, and he shared so much invaluable information with me, including the history of his father and his grandfather. So if you guys allow me for just a moment, I'm gonna give you a glimpse of the five Otises through the eyes of Otis III. Otis Holloway I, he was a confident, bold, funny man, the life of the party. He was an entrepreneur. He sold bootleg moonshine. <laughs> but he was a man that many admired. Otis Holloway II, he was a loving, quiet, humble, peaceful man. Papa labeled him as Jesus number two. <laughs> he was the man that Papa loved more than any will, and we'll talk more about his boldness here in just a second. Otis Holloway IV, my father. Very similar to Otis II, he is a loving, quiet, humble, peaceful man, but he's also very bold and courageous. His boldness looked a little bit different than Otis II. However, Papa truly admired the way he stood strong in the face of adversity for his children. Papa considered Otis IV his hero. Otis V, that's me. Uh, Papa viewed me very similar to Otis I uh, from our looks, our personality, and our drive. Over the past six months, Papa has taken several opportunities to tell me how proud he is of me. I went on to visit him during his hospital stay due to his hip injury, and Nanny told me prior to getting there, he hadn't been talking at all, but once I got there, I couldn't stop talking. <laughs> but he took that moment with all the strength that he had in his body to tell me this. Grandson, I'm proud of you. From everything that you have been through, you could have quit but you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you're doing excellent. Now, Papa and I didn't get along on everything, you know. We had a couple of political debates. <laughs> but for him to use that specific phrasing, it let me know that, basically, son, I still don't agree with everything that you believe, but as a man and your grandfather, I respect what you stand for. And Otis III, how did Papa view himself? From the many stories that he has shared with me and all of our grandkids, of his grandkids. I believe the way he views himself can be summed up in three significant days in his life. The first day, the day his dad left the house. This goes back to the boldness of Otis II I mentioned earlier. Otis II and his wife was having some marital issues over time, and one night in the middle of the night, when Papa was about seven to nine years old, he woke up to a loud argument between his mom and dad. As the argument concluded, his dad said these infamous words, I'm sure we all can quote, I'm leaving and I'm not ever coming back. And he did. What makes these days, what makes this day significant? Two reasons. There's a theory that this is the day that may have begun Papa's speech impediment. 
Number two, this is the day that led Papa eventually to seeing the greatness of his father shine even more. He saw this day, he saw this by watching the way his father functioned with his new wife and her kids. From this point on, Papa said, I, I, he made up in his mind that I'm going to be a great man, great father, great husband, like my dad is. However, when times get the roughest, I'm not going to leave my family like my dad did in his first family. The second significant day is the day Papa married Annie Mae Cyrus. Legend has it, Papa stole Annie from his best friend. But <laughs> 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 so prior to Annie marrying, I'm sorry, prior to Papa marrying Annie, Papa didn't have much high hopes for his future. He believed that he would eventually be living under a bridge or a cardboard box. Didn't think he would have a wife and kids, but he said this, God outdid himself. God gave me the best wife on earth. It's because of Jesus and my wife that I made something out of my life. And that leads me to, my third, to, his, to the third significant day, the day he gave his life to Christ. He said this, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. With, with the lifestyle that I had prior to Christ, I could have been in prison. If, I had, if it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? Jesus truly gave Papa life purpose. Papa had the same hope for everyone he knew and met. He hoped that each of us would find our purpose through Jesus. And I once asked him for his best life advice that he would give anyone, he said this, give your life to Jesus, and Jesus can do more with it. Jesus makes your life worth living. If you're trying to go through life without Jesus, it's like going uphill barefoot on stickers. What's in the name? Otis James Holloway III made his name great during his time on earth. And now his name has been written in the book of life. The book of life contains the names of people in line to receive the gift of everlasting life. On behalf of Papa, I want to ask this question of each of us. Will your name be there? Again, such an amazing honor. The strength of my grandmother is so apparent after 60 years of being with the same man since she was 16 years old. I mean, this is a legacy that will live on forever. It's truly remarkable to see, and I'm honored to be in this family. This is his hat, by the way. This is something that I've gotten to hold on to, and I'm holding on to it tight. It may be a little tight on my head now, but <laughs> I'm holding on to it tight. The question today is, guys, what do we do? How do we handle grief? The first thing I would recommend, handle grief honestly. Be authentic with exactly how you feel. And if you can't do it with no one else, at least do it with yourself. Be completely honest and authentic with yourself, saying exactly what you feel, saying exactly what you are experiencing. The worst thing you want to happen is to have untapped grief, grief that you have never dealt with, grief that you have never looked into. The second thing, as I mentioned, it is important to do it with yourself first, but at some point, you do need to speak about this with someone else. At some point, it is essential that you get this out of you. One of my favorite moments of Jesus is Jesus saying, man, don't assume I came for peace, but I came with a sword. Essentially, what Jesus was saying here, who was actually the Prince of Peace, I came to address some stuff. I came to flip over some tables. I came to uproot everything that makes you comfortable. We have to address things. If we want ultimate peace in our life, if we want to truly move forward, 
properly when it comes to grieving and the people that we have lost, we have to truly address every single emotion that we feel on the inside. And lastly, it is okay to move on. But moving on looks different for everyone in every situation. Moving on for me from the grieving of the lost child has been acceptance. I accept everything that has happened. I rejoice in the fact that we were able to get pregnant and I celebrate the life of our unborn. My wife did an amazing thing in commemorating our baby by giving me this cross with her name on it or their name on it. I will cherish this cross for the rest of my life. But I have moved on from that grieving moment in my life. But I'm holding on to this cross. I'm holding on to a memory because that doesn't have to go away. Whatever moving on looks like for you, do so. My grandmother, as she was giving me this hat, was in tears as she was saying, yeah, I got to let this go because he's no longer here. He's gone. That's what moving on for her looks like. I encourage you, if you are facing grief at this moment, do those three things. But there's something more powerful than what those three things could ever do. And that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not here to preach to you or force you down any particular path. But if you are someone that is truly seeking to fill a void, no one can do that more than Jesus Christ. He's a present help in the time of trouble. He can fill any emotional or spiritual void that you have. I encourage you to call his name today.